2: So before I start today's episode, I'm going to play a promo for a podcast you might find more or less similar to mine, and assuming you like my podcast since you're here, then you'll probably like this one. It's called Crimes from the East, and obviously, they talk about true crime cases from the East. Take a listen.
1: Hey Alex, you want to
2: hear about Ted Bundy for the three millionth time? Oh yes, I totally need that in my life. Hell no. I knew it. You know the one golden rule in true crime, right? Mm Mm-hmm. The husband did it. Yeah, but have you heard about how the husband did it with a deadly cobra? (laughs) Where do you even find
0: one of those? Well, find out on Crimes from the East. Come join Pia and I. Let's brew up some masala chai and listen to us talk about the twisted
2: tales of murder and mayhem from South Asia. We are Crimes from the East, a South Asian true crime podcast with a little masala and spice. Namaste! So I met one half of the duo, Pia, in person, and trust me, she is legit. If you're curious about crazy shit happening in South Asia or Asia in general, please check out Crimes from the East. Now, let's start today's episode. Welcome to another Asian Madness podcast episode. Hopefully, everyone is doing well, hitting your goals, feeling healthy, happy, or whatever else. So, there won't be too much chit chat for today. So, let me get straight into today's topic. I would like to thank Mihika for her long list of suggestions, and today's case is one of her suggestions. I remember when I first heard about this case years ago, and it was just so terrifying and upsetting. I know, we usually feel that way when we hear about horrific crime stories, but as a woman, this case is going to frighten you and possibly give you nightmares. So tell me, Are there things that come to mind when you think of the words women and danger? What kind of difficulties and obstacles do women tend to face more than men? Let's start with something less serious. Unsolicited dick pics. Unsolicited advances. Pressure to be agreeable on dates. I know this is not something only women experience, but in the event that this does happen, Women are more likely to be in danger than men. Then if we talk about more serious situations, there's sexual assault and rape. Walking alone at night is considered dangerous sometimes. Jogging alone in the morning can also be dangerous. Basically, being alone can be dangerous, which is a terrible way to live. Are you safer when you're with friends though? With groups of people in public? Sure feels that way, right? But sometimes it's a false sense of security. This is the extremely violent and upsetting case of a young woman who was violently assaulted. Her name is Jyoti Singh, and this case is also known as the Nirbhaya Rape Case, or the Delhi Gang Rape and Murder. Just a heads up, some parts will be very difficult to listen to, as in, kind of graphic. So if it's not for you, totally understandable. Let's begin. Her name is Jyoti Singh. She was born in the year 1989. Some sources say she was born in Delhi. Some say in Balia, which is a district in the state of Uttar Pradesh in India. It is the most populous state in India and size-wise, the fourth largest state in India. Location-wise, it is on the northern end of India, just south of Nepal. Jyoti's parents were Badri and Asha Singh, and she had two brothers, Jyoti being the only daughter in the family. As you may know, there are many cultures in the world who prefer to have and celebrate the birth of sons, and daughters are generally regarded as a waste and simply undesirable. Because of this, many people from these cultures would pick and choose whether they keep their children or not. This was not the case for the Singh family. When Jyoti was born, her parents were overjoyed and celebrated her birth, even naming her Jyoti, which means light. In comparison, they were more progressive and open-minded than their neighbors and friends. Their friends and family members did not understand why they were this happy to have a daughter. But for Jyoti's parents, they were simply happy that they gave birth to a healthy baby. As a child, Jyoti was said to have had a close relationship with her parents, often asking them questions, clinging on to them, and talking about her future aspirations and dreams. She probably knew how society viewed girls in general, but she didn't want that to stop her from pursuing her dreams, which was to study in a medical school and become a doctor. In more traditional patriarchal societies, women's education is seen as unnecessary, Women are basically viewed as maids, so once they're old enough to get married, they are married off to a guy, then they have kids, and pretty much work and take care of their family for the rest of their lives. Jyoti's parents knew how much she wanted to continue her studies and become a doctor, and they did everything within their power to grant her that wish. They were not wealthy by any means, so Jyoti's dad went ahead and sold a piece of ancestral land he owned just so he could help fund his daughter's dream. His brother was very puzzled by his decision, because it felt crazy to do something so drastic. For a girl. Like, pfft, what can a girl do? Not just that, but Jyoti even told her father at one point that if he had any money put away for her future marriage, he should instead use it to fund her education. That's how serious she was about her education and career. Quote, It never entered our hearts to ever discriminate. How could I be happy if my son is happy and my daughter isn't? And it was hard to refuse a little girl who loved going to school. If that's not a great dad, I don't know what is. In many cultures, it's not uncommon for parents to view their children as a future investment or an insurance policy. It's not to say that they don't love their children or dictate what they do in life. But because a lot of parents struggled financially, they sort of expect their kids to help them out when they're old after retiring. I know a lot of people don't agree with this mentality, because technically speaking, no child asks to be born and they shouldn't have to have this kind of burden and responsibility. Either way, it's a part of many cultures out there, so while you don't have to agree with it, please accept it. So maybe this is how Jyoti's parents viewed her in a way. They loved her and they gave up so much for her to thrive in life. I'm actually pretty sure Jyoti would have wanted to repay her parents for everything in the future as well. She was a good kid, kind-hearted, motivated, and smart. She managed to get through medical school at the age of 23, majoring in physiology. She was about to start an internship beginning on December 17th, 2012, and understandably, Everyone was excited for her. To celebrate her last moment of freedom and leisure, Jyoti decided to go to the movies with a good friend of hers, a guy by the name of Onindra. Some sources say he was her boyfriend, but most sources said that they were just friends. It doesn't matter if they were dating or not, so for the sake of simplicity, we will refer to them as friends. So, on the evening of December 16, 2012, Jyoti told her parents that she was going to meet her friend for a movie and that she won't be back too late. She had her phone with her, and if she was going to be later than expected, she would call and let them know. With that said, she left her home, not knowing the kind of horrors that would take place later on that night. Once the duo arrived at the movie theater, they debated on what to watch that night. Onindra was more in the mood for an action movie but Jyoti was keen on watching that cool new movie called Life of Pi. So the two compromised and got tickets for Life of Pi. After a pleasant two hours and seven minutes, the two friends were satisfied and began to head home. It was almost 9pm. Not too late, but since Jyoti's internship was starting the next day, she knew she had to get home soon. They walked to the nearby bus station and waited and waited and then waited some more. It was past nine now and they were getting a bit tired of waiting. Suddenly, a private bus with a school logo on it pulled up and asked them where they were headed. The driver told Jyoti and her friend that they were headed in the same direction, and if they wanted, they could pay a little bit and catch a ride with them. I don't know if this is something that people did or if it was a common occurrence, or maybe it was getting late and they were getting impatient. The two friends agreed, got on the bus, and took a seat in the back. The driver closed the doors and they were on their way. There were six other men in the bus that night, including the bus driver. Things were okay in the beginning, but Jyoti and her friend probably started to feel uncomfortable soon after when the five men sitting near them began to sneer and check them out relentlessly. I don't know if men in general know how this feels, to be in a strange environment, to feel this sense of dread as other men stare and make unnecessary eye contact. Anyone, especially women who have been in such circumstances, would understand though. It feels very gross, creepy, and scary. One of the men then approached Jyoti and Onindra, He began asking them intrusive questions and making them very uncomfortable. He asked if they were a couple, and why they were out so late. All in a very disapproving tone. Already you can tell what this guy thinks of women, as it was only past 9pm and somehow he's got a problem with a young woman being out with a man who isn't her husband or her relative. Onindra wasn't in the mood to take any of this, and maybe he was scared, so he responded with, None of your business. This comment pissed the men off immediately. One guy slapped Onindra, and the rest of the guys began to attack the two friends. One of the men picked up a metal rod and began beating Onindra viciously, and the other men dragged Jyoti to the back of the bus. Just as you would expect, they began to tear at her clothes, and they took turns raping her. The bus driver was of course aware of what was going on, and instead of stopping, he continued to drive randomly on the highway. This was a private bus, so obviously it had no set route. So it didn't matter where they went, as long as they were on the move. Anindra was brutally beaten and stripped of his clothes and belongings, and Jyoti was in pain and fighting back as hard as she could, but she was unable to fight off five men. Rape is never good. It's always vicious. But the details surrounding this incident has got to be one of the worst incidents you will ever hear about. As the men raped Jyoti, they made sure to punch her, hold her down, and even bite her all over, as if to assert dominance or control. One of the men even allegedly used a metal rod to sodomize Jyoti although in other accounts, it was said to be a screwdriver. Basically, he jammed the screwdriver in her, and when he tried to take it out of her, part of her intestine came out as well. Yes. Brutal. Horrendous. Just unimaginable. The bus was a bloody mess. The two innocent victims were badly injured, but none of the six men gave a shit. They continued to mess with Jyoti and Anindra, and once they were done, they decided to get rid of them. They weren't sure if Jyoti and Onindra were still alive or not, but not like they cared. The men tried opening their rear door, but it wouldn't budge. Then they dragged the two to the front of the bus, opened the front door, and tossed them out of the moving bus. They were discarded by the side of the road, on a busy street, as if they weren't human, as if they weren't someone's child, like they were pieces of trash. Let's take a quick break and talk about our feelings. Are you okay? I know this is a lot, and I apologize for being so detailed about the rape. I tend to find it necessary to discuss things as they happened, because when you don't have the full picture, it's hard for you to come to terms with your feelings. I felt so much anger when researching this case, and not just because of what they did, but I felt anger towards society, towards these men and towards everyone who thought it was okay for this to happen. Let's continue. So at this point, it was December 16th, and it was getting late. Jyoti and Anindra were both lying naked at the side of the street, conscious but in immense pain. Cars continued to zoom past them. People either didn't notice them lying there or weren't concerned enough to stop and check on them. Soon after, A patrolman happened to pass by, and he heard voices coming from the side of the street, calling for help. He immediately went over to check and was horrified at what he saw. There was a lot of blood, and he knew things weren't good. He quickly went to a hotel across the street from them and asked to borrow some bedsheets, which he later used to wrap the two victims with. He then called the police and emergency services. More and more people began to gather around, but no one seemed to be willing or able to help. I don't exactly blame them, because at this point, what could they do? Unless they were in the medical field, they couldn't really offer the two victims any help. At the same time, though, it's quite disrespectful to just stand there and watch, as they were in an extremely vulnerable situation. An ambulance arrived soon after, and both Jyoti and Anindra were taken to the Safdarjung Hospital. Anindra suffered a lot of injuries, but his condition was relatively stable, as in he would eventually be able to make a full recovery. Jyoti, on the other hand, was not so lucky. Remember, she basically had her intestines pulled out of her, and the patrolman that called it in even stated that the scene resembled that of a, quote, cow after giving birth to a calf, That's how awful it looked. Despite the horrible injuries Jyoti was suffering from, she was still conscious and was able to calmly tell the police and the doctors what had happened to her. It's amazing how resilient a human body can be. Jyoti's parents soon received a call no parent ever wants to receive. Her parents, of course, dropped everything and rushed to the hospital immediately, and I can only imagine how devastated they were once they learned of the details of the incident doctors who took care of Jyoti were shocked at the injuries she sustained, and one even stated that in all their 20 years of practice, they have never seen anything like this. Not only was she raped, beaten, bitten all over her body and face, she also suffered major trauma and injuries to her genitals and abdomen, which made her road to recovery more difficult. Jyoti underwent multiple surgeries, also suffering from infections, internal bleeding, fever, you name it. Although they were able to keep her alive and even conscious at times, they were not optimistic. It was unlikely for her to make a full recovery. And despite trying their best, they were just prolonging the inevitable. Not a great thing to hear, but it was still important for everyone to understand and accept. Since Jyoti and Anindra were coherent enough to talk about what happened to them, the police were able to quickly begin a thorough investigation, vowing to find the culprit and bring them to justice, ASAP. The police already knew that the bus was a private bus, and they also had a general idea as to where the bus was traveling around. They started off by looking around for cameras near where their victims were initially found, and although they weren't able to catch the moment, or the exact angle from where the victim was tossed from, they did notice something interesting. A white bus was seen appearing on one camera angle more than once, going back and forth. They were also able to see the type of bus it was, as it had its logo on it, which helped indicate what company the bus belonged to. This helped them narrow down their search by a lot. Not only were the police able to obtain crucial information on the bus, They also had composite sketches and descriptions of the offenders provided by Onindra. Within 24 hours of the incident, on the afternoon of December 17th, the police were able to locate the bus. As they approached it, a man who was cleaning the bus immediately got spooked and made a run for it. Obviously, no one enjoys visits from the police, but to get up and run away without saying anything? I guess that could be seen as suspicious. The police had no trouble catching this man, which eventually led to the arrest of three other men. The four of them were arrested on December 17th at the Ravidas Camp, which is a slum camp located in South Delhi. Another one of the guys ran away to Bihar, a northern state and also his hometown. He was arrested on December 21st. The last offender was found somewhere else in Delhi. Also, arrested on December 21st. All six men were now under police custody. That's definitely great news and a great place to start. So, before we move on to the trial and everything else, we need to talk about these six men. Although they don't deserve our time and energy, I'm pretty sure some of you guys are dying to know what kind of scum these guys are. So, let's start with the guy the police believe to be the main suspect Ram Singh aged 30, was the first one to be arrested as he was the one in charge of the bus. It was also believed that he was the one driving the bus that night, although this was disputed amongst the other culprits, as you will see later on. According to friends and neighbors, he was always known as a troublemaker and took a lot of interest in drinking and getting into fights. Next up we have Ram's brother, Mukesh Singh. Mukesh worked along with his brother at times, driving the bus and cleaning the bus. This is where it was disputed whether or not he or his brother Ram was the driver on that fateful night. Many reports stated that Ram was the driver, but others, including Mukesh himself, insisted that no. He was the only one who drove the bus that night. Not only was he the driver, he never got up to attack the victims. He denied anyone taking over driving the bus that night which could be a way for him to distance himself from any wrongdoing. Even if Mukesh didn't participate in any of the violent acts, he undoubtedly believes that what happened to Jyoti and Anindra was fair and square. Here are some quotes from this guy, and get ready to be angry. You can't clap with one hand, it takes two hands. A decent girl won't roam around at nine o'clock at night. A girl is far more responsible for rape than a boy. Housework and housekeeping is for girls. Not roaming in discos and bars at night. Doing wrong things. Wearing wrong clothes. About 20% of girls are good. Unquote. So if you're a woman and you're out late at night for whatever reason, it's your own fault for getting raped. Great guy. Next up, let's discuss fitness instructor Vinay Sharma. He was known by almost everyone to get into fights constantly, as it was his way of showing how tough and manly he was. Vinay was only about 20 years old and was a university student, but I guess his lack of control and skewed way of thinking ended up costing him his future. Vinay initially denied any involvement, saying he wasn't even on the bus that night. Next, we have Pawan Gupta, a 19-year-old fruit vendor. Pawan like the fitness dude Vinay, also denied being on the bus that night. On the night of the attack, it was believed that Pawan closed his fruit stand a bit earlier and went to meet up with his friends to drink and eat. The men got very drunk, took the bus out for a joyride, which eventually led to picking up Jyoti and Anindra. Our fifth guy is a 28-year-old guy called Akshay Thakur. Akshay was the one who ran to his hometown of Bihar after the incident. He also denied any involvement, stating that he returned home to Bihar the day before the attack took place. Akshay had a wife and a son, and not surprisingly, his wife and his family all believe that he is innocent. Last one is not really a man, as he was only 17 years old at the time of the attack. Because he was a minor, he was never named publicly. He's always referred to as the juvenile. So, the juvenile had a pretty harsh childhood. He grew up extremely poor, never really received any education. He had five siblings, and by age 11, he had had enough and ran away from home. His family never bothered to look for him, as they were genuinely surprised when the police showed up to tell them that their son was involved in a horrible incident. His mother basically thought that he had died and despite hearing the details of what took place, she insisted that he was a gentle boy. She didn't say that she thought he was innocent, but she said he must have fallen in with the wrong crowd. The juvenile was also believed to be the one who coaxed the victims to board the bus, as someone stated he was very convincing. Maybe it was because he was young and friendly, so people tend to let their guard down around him. Others also said that the juvenile was quite vicious when he was attacking the victims, hinting that he was the one who stuck the metal rod or a screwdriver into Jyoti and was also the one who pulled her intestines out. The six offenders did not have the best upbringing, nor were they living under great circumstances. Yeah, it sucks, but you know what? It also sucks to get attacked for no reason. Having a terrible life is not fun and although it can be a contributing factor, it is still not an excuse to be a piece of shit. For one thing, these people obviously knew that what they did was wrong, or else why the hell would they run? I also get that no parent wants to believe that their child is capable of such horrible things. The reactions of the six men's family members were quite similar. Either they didn't believe their darling boy was involved Or they blame the friends for dragging their darling boy into this mess. Even the defendants blame women for rape. So clearly there's a cycle of blame here. It's not hard to understand where things went wrong. Family upbringing, society, and education plays such a huge role in how we think and how we behave. Even though raping and beating people up like that is considered wrong... The notion that women are lesser than men is so strongly instilled in some people's brains. And not just men, but women as well. Lots of men still subscribe to the whole men are stronger and should protect, women are weaker and belong in the kitchen bullshit. Some women are brought up believing that this is their life, their mission, their true purpose. It's not great, but the only way to bring about change is to put more emphasis on education. Now, let's talk about Jyoti and her situation for a moment. She was brutally attacked and raped on December 16, 2012. She was admitted to the hospital soon after she was discovered, lying by the side of the road. She underwent multiple surgeries. She developed sepsis, had high fevers, but overall she was still able to talk and communicate. Despite all this, doctors were not optimistic. Around the end of December, The doctors decided that in order to do everything possible to save her, she will need medical attention in a better hospital. She was then transported to the Mount Elizabeth Hospital in Singapore, a hospital very famous for its trauma section and organ donation. While on the way to the hospital, her situation suddenly worsened. Despite all the effort, Jyoti was unable to pull through. At this point, she was suffering from brain damage pneumonia, and abdominal infections. She passed away on December 29. Her body was then immediately flown back to her family in Delhi, and on December 30th, she was cremated. Before passing away, she told her mother that she was sorry for all the trouble, and I can only imagine how her parents must have felt hearing her say all of this. Would she have pulled through if she was transported over a little sooner? Hard to say. This is obviously not an India problem, but a problem that we see all over the world, where some men think it's somehow okay to treat women this way. Just because you don't hear about it from some places doesn't mean it's not happening. Just because some men find it okay to do such things to women doesn't mean most people are okay with it. And this is demonstrated on the day after the heinous incident. Thousands of people took to the streets. Unhappy, saddened, and angry over at what happened to Jyoti. It wasn't just one day, but multiple days. Protests took place at India Gate and Risina Hill, and all over parts of India. Young women were sick and tired of feeling unsafe. Men who did not believe in such BS also supported their fellow women on the streets. There were silent marches, there were riots, and there were candlelight vigils. Not just for Jyoti, but also for the future of all women in India. People walked around holding powerful signs with hang the rapist written on it, some with we want justice, but the most powerful one in my opinion read, quote, don't tell me how to dress, tell them not to rape, unquote. And it's pretty much that. How women dress, what time they go out, and who they go out with is never an invitation For men to be rude, never an invitation for men to get handsy. There were so many people protesting that the police and armed troops were called out to control the crowd. The police even had to resort to water cannons, tear gassing the crowds, and even arrested some protesters. People got hurt while clashing against the police, but the people were doing what they felt was necessary. Because if they didn't make it a big deal, who would? And if they stayed quiet, who would notice? And who would even bother making any changes? Fast forward to March of 2013, about three months after the rape and attack. The man who was deemed as the main perpetrator, Ram Singh, was found dead in his cell. It was ruled a suicide, but some people, mostly his family and his lawyer, begged to differ. It was said that Ram Singh had suffered an accident years prior and had lost mobility on one of his arms. So him committing suicide would have been nearly impossible. I get that. They are his supporters and his loved ones. They probably don't want to believe that he's a bad guy and that he ended his own life. But on the other hand, it's also not impossible considering the kind of outrage the whole nation was feeling. The men were pretty much up against angry mobs and possibly the death sentence. Maybe Ram felt guilty and... Maybe he felt like this wouldn't end well for him, so he decided to take his own life, rather than wait for someone else to kill him. On the other hand, he could have very well been murdered by a prison guard, or by other prison inmates. Like I said, this is not unheard of, so again, anything is possible. I'm aware that this sounds bad, but I highly doubt many people were upset over him dying. If they were upset, they're probably upset that he took the easy way out instead of facing the court and his crimes. A few months later, on August 31st of 2013, the only minor of the group, the so-called juvenile, was sentenced to three years in reform facility. I know, it's a super light sentence, but because he was a minor at the time, he couldn't be tried as an adult regardless of how terrible the crime was. Of course, people were angry and demanded that he should be tried along with the others. Jyoti's parents also shared their thoughts on this matter. Quote, If the law thinks it is right to marry a girl at the age of 12 or 13, then a 15 or 16-year-old boy who rapes or harms a girl should also face his punishment. Unquote. What do you think about the situation? Is it fair? is it enough? As for the remaining four men, they were all tried together two weeks later on September 10th. Not surprisingly, they were all found guilty of rape, unnatural sex, murder, and so on. Their sentence was handed out on September 13th. Death by hanging. What do you think of this? Is this fair to you? Vinay Sharma freaked out as soon as he heard he was going to get executed. He began to beg the judge for mercy, and when the judge didn't give a shit, he asked the crowd in the courtroom for help. A little too late, bro. Despite the verdict, the men continued to appeal their death sentences, but the Supreme Court never budged. I don't know how they personally felt about the situation, and I wouldn't be surprised if certain judges or lawyers or police officers secretly agreed that Jyoti probably deserved what she got. After all, she's a woman. How dare she? People were more or less satisfied with the death sentence for the four guys, but not so much for the juvenile. According to testimonies, the juvenile was probably even more vicious and cruel than the other men. His actions towards Jyoti showed that, but in some cases, the law is the law, I guess. The juvenile was released exactly three years later, on December of 2015. He stated that he wanted to return home and be with his family. I don't know if that's what happened or if he's still alive, but that's what he said. As for the four men, their lawyers managed to postpone their execution date various times. Every time one defendant files for an appeal, the execution date is then delayed, which then affects the remaining three men. It was just a cycle of, hold on, wait, but listen... It dragged on for years, so long story short, they were eventually executed on March 20th of 2020. Very recent. So they died probably knowing about COVID and all. The four of them were executed in Tihar Jail. All four rejected their last meal, and the four of them were then hung at the same time. They were all pronounced dead after hanging for approximately 30 minutes. In a documentary called India's Daughter, filmed years after the rape and attack, the men showed very little remorse. They said some things that would make you shake your head and tighten your fists, and sadly enough, it's not just them. The convicted men, of course, had the right to lawyers, and I'm telling you, these lawyers are something else. One guy called Manohar Lal Sharma looks like he walked straight out of a 50s action comedy. And obviously, he's the villain. Allow me to highlight some of their statements so we can be angry together. When talking about Jyoti being outside so late with a male friend, she, quote, left her morality and reputation as a doctor as well as a girl's morality also in the house, unquote. So basically, as a woman, you cannot leave the house at night, especially alone or with a guy who isn't a relative or your husband. Cool. When talking about women in general, he states, quote, A female is just like a flower. It gives a good looking. That flower always needs protection. Unquote. Okay, let's ignore the grammatical situation here. First of all, any guy who likes to refer to women or girls as females is kind of annoying. Second of all, women are basically useless. We're just there to be pretty and nice. Here's probably my favorite quote from this guy quote, We have the best culture. In our culture, there is no place for a woman. Unquote. I'm sure lots of people in India do not agree with that. Every culture has its pros and cons, and I simply cannot agree that this is what makes Indian culture great. Another defense lawyer, A.P. Singh, also made some questionable statements about Jyoti and women in general. Quote, in our society we never allow our girls to come out from the house if very important if very necessary she should go outside but she should go with the family members she should not go in night hours with her boyfriend Unquote. so if you have ever gone on a date with a guy at night he's shaming you last one is equally insane Quote, if my daughter or sister engage in premarital activities and disgraced herself and allowed herself to lose face and character, I would most certainly take the sort of sister or daughter to my farmhouse. I would put petrol on her and set her alight. Unquote. This is almost like a future murder confession. This is what you would call an honor killing. Sucks to be this guy's relative. Mukesh Singh, one of the rapists, also stated that now that they're on death row, Women are going to be in more danger when it comes to rape. How so, you ask? When being raped, she shouldn't fight back. She should be silent and allow the rape. In other words, if rapists rape from now on, it would be easier for them to kill the woman so she doesn't go to the police. If raping can get you caught, might as well get rid of the victim so they can't report you. It never crossed their minds to, like, not rape. Have things changed in India since Jyoti's rape and murder? Like many situations, the answer is both yes and no. People became more aware and proactive when it came to such issues. Not just women fighting to stay alive, but also men. Just because these rapists are men doesn't mean most men agree with them. In a way, Jyoti's case brought people together, gave them a common goal, gave them a problem that they wanted to solve together. According to the statistics website, Statista.com, the number of reported rapes for the years 2010, 2011, and 2012 was around 25,000 per year. I don't know if this is a direct cause and effect situation, but rape cases reported starting from 2013 rose up by quite a bit, around 35,000 on average per year. Optimistically, it can be interpreted as a rise in reporting, which is good for women but on the other hand, you could also say that maybe rape cases in general went up. I cannot imagine the number of unreported cases, and sadly, the number we see could just be the tip of the iceberg. As for the law, the Criminal Law Amendment Act was passed in 2013, basically recognizing and incorporating more provisions into the existing laws. Some of the amendments include acid attack, voyeurism, stalking, attempt to disrobe a woman, sexual harassment, and sexual assault causing death or injury. Parliament also passed a new legislation concerning the Juvenile Justice Act, which includes treating a juvenile aged 16 years or older as an adult, under circumstances involving anything heinous. But what would you classify as heinous? I suppose that would depend on the judge. Making big changes is not something you can do in one day, or even in a year or two. Change towards the right direction takes time, and hopefully with the help of education, change will finally start to take place. So there you have it. The attack and rape of Jyoti Singh, aka India's daughter. In many places you will see this case referred to as the Nirbhaya rape and murder, mainly because publishing the rape victim's name was not allowed. It was published afterwards anyway, because Jyoti's parents wanted people to remember who she was, and if their daughter's death could bring about change, then it would be worth it. According to online sources, Nirbaya means fearless, or the fearless one. I believe this name suits Jyoti quite well, as she fought hard against her rapist, and even when she sustained so many injuries, she still managed to stay conscious long enough to tell people what happened to her. Of course, let's not forget her friend, Onindra, who also managed to put up a fight. There are definitely more victims like that. Jyoti and Onindra's family, their friends, all the women who've had similar experiences. In an ideal world, women would be able to go anywhere without fearing for their safety. They could do solo traveling, they could walk alone in dark alleyways, they could feel safe to dress as they wished. Rape is about control. And these men raped Jyoti mainly to assert dominance because they were angry she didn't conform to their standards. It was not about what she was wearing. It was not because she agreed to get on the bus. It was because they wanted to teach her a lesson about the harsh truth of being a woman. These sorts of things can happen to anyone anywhere, not only in India. Please be kind and be aware of your surroundings. There is evil lurking in all corners of the world. Thanks for tuning in to this grisly episode. May Jyoti rest in peace, and may her attackers get what they deserve. Till next time. Before I go, I'd like to thank the following people for supporting the podcast. Thank you, Shaley Downs, for upping your Patreon pledge, and of course, to Jennifer. As for the review, thank you, Shigi Hosto from the Philippines. That was a really kind review, and I really appreciate all the support. Thank you for tuning in to the Asian Madness Podcast. If you enjoyed my content, please rate and review me on iTunes. If you would like to get in touch with me, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or email me at AsianMadnessPod at gmail.com.